Revenue goals kind of started to irritate me a couple of years ago because what I realized was happening was that I'd hit one, right? Like you hit that 100,000, 500 million and it's just, you keep moving the goalposts to a higher number. And it was at that point where the revenue for the agency was more than I had ever imagined. I didn't have the context to dream this sort of thing. And then the, the initial urge is like, okay, well now we're going to 5 million, 10 million, whatever. And I was like, why? <laughs> Like it was just, and then, but there was also, so the immediate reaction of like, this is what we should do because this is what, you know, capitalist society and everyone on the internet is telling you, you are supposed to make more. I think there are three different stages when it comes to your business and your personal finances. There's pre-enough, enough, and post enough. And at each stage, you'll have different priorities, weigh different choices, and view your world in very different ways. I'm Susan Bowles, and you're listening to Break the Ceiling, the show where we break down unconventional strategies you can use to save time, boost your profit, and increase your operational capacity. Now, these definitions are mine, and I think everyone will probably interpret the idea of pre-enough, enough, or post enough in their own terms. But here's how I tend to think about it. Pre enough is that stage when you may have a decent business, but you haven't hit that level of revenue where you're covering your costs and comfortably paying yourself what you need to be in order to be able to support your personal financial needs. In this stage, you're usually taking whatever work comes your way because you can't afford to be choosy. You have bills you gotta pay. It can be a difficult place where you're lacking in both time and money because you're just trying to do whatever you can to get to that enough benchmark. Now, enough is where you have, well, enough. Your costs are covered, both business and personal. You're paying yourself and your team enough. You have enough to start building up some cash reserves and the choices and decisions you're making become a lot more about, is this worth it for me? Is this client someone I want to work with? Is this the kind of work I want to be doing? Is this choice worth my time or my energy? It's not necessarily about, is it worth my financial investment? It's about using your resources effectively and the kinds of choices you make. And then eventually you might find yourself in the land of post enough, where your question might be more like, what do I do with all of this money? Where am I supposed to put it? How do I use it responsibly? And these stages, pre-enough, enough, and post-enough, don't necessarily come at a particular dollar amount. It's all relative based on where your benchmarks are. And quite honestly, at different points in your life, you might be bouncing back and forth between these stages. It's not necessarily a straight line. And well, life happens. You might be in post-enough when you're younger and end up having kids and bouncing back to pre-enough. Life happens. And I wanted to explore this idea of pre-enough, enough, post-enough by trying to follow someone's journey through these stages and beyond, to look at the choices they made, what helped them break through that enough ceiling, and how their perspective changed in each of the different stages. So meet Rita Berry. Rita is a certified measurement marketer. She founded her company, which is a boutique digital marketing optimization consultancy based in the Canadian Rocky Mountains in 2009. 
It's a relationship-driven company focusing on metrics, and they help select six to eight-figure female-led businesses, take control of their numbers so they can transform their marketing campaigns and drive more sales. And she deals with numbers and measuring success all day long. And this journey to and through enough has been one that she spent a lot of time thinking about. Rita and I talk about what enough means to her, what it looked like pre-enough, and what she did to break through and past that enough benchmark. We'll talk about how her goals and what she was concerned about changed throughout her journey. And we'll talk about what she does now that revenue benchmarks don't mean quite as much. Hey, Rita, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about all yeah. this. So we are talking about kind of the concept of having enough, but I think that probably means something a little bit different to everyone. So talk to me a little bit about what having enough means to you. Yes, it is one of those like super loaded <laughs> phrases. <laughs> eh? So I think for me, ultimately, there's two big enoughness pools um, because I grew up in like below the poverty line with a single mom on social assistance. So for me, initially, like enoughness is like that, because that definitely was not enough, right? So there's like that actual survival, enough to pay the bills, we're doing okay bar uh, that that was really important. I kind of wouldn't ever want to diminish that because that's always like an ever present thought for me is that that never seems that far away. But that piece of enoughness and then now as kind of life has become a very different place for me than it was when I grew up uh, and in the success of the business and everything else, enoughness was I always thought it was something outside like some kind of external marker, whether it was revenue or the team or like what at what point is you know is enough enough right as far as like what are we chasing with all of this and what occurred to me or kind of just landed i guess in my being uh as woo woo as that sound a number of years ago was that like it's enough when i kind of decide that it's enough which seems mm -hmm. a little bit strange but it was because i have this a beautiful honor and privilege to work behind the scenes in some really large kind of like online businesses that are quite enviable by a lot of people. Um, you know, they, like, they look up to these businesses going, I want to create a business like this person. And what I've seen with over the years is that all of these CEOs and founders who have built these million, you know, seven figure, multi seven figure businesses, they all have like these differing kind of views of it where some of them always had this scarcity thing like I have to earn more you know I'm not worth the amount of money I'm making I need to like prove it more and then other people were very calm with how much money they made whether it was a little bit or a lot how that changed over the years their view of it didn't change and that really started to inform my own view of enoughness where I'm like you know what it is not in any way tied to revenue because like, I can see quite clearly in front of me all of these examples of a variety of different feelings of enoughness and a variety of different revenues, like extremely so, right? People making 100 to 500 and then people that are making like eight, nine figures, right? Like ridiculous mm -hmm. amounts of money. I was like, huh, okay, so I think I just get to decide that maybe that this is like enough and that it's something that lives outside of revenue and it's really just an innate feeling of worthiness and we can pay all the bills, we can pay the team, I'm not worried about making payroll, like we're checking all the boxes. So that's kind of what it's just settled for me now to be like enough is once we have all those 
like the bills paid. Um, but we've been really far away from that for a long time now. So now it's more just that I have decided that we're not, we just don't need to quest for revenue anymore. If that kind mm. of makes sense. Yeah, and I think it, I mean, I think the answer to what is enough is really highly personal. And I think you're like, I love the aspect of it's really all about your approach. You know, do you have a benchmark where at that point, you know, things are covered and you feel comfortable and you feel secure and that's enough? Or is it, you know, are your goals something different? and it is tied to revenue and i think that's a personal question a lot of it has to do with you know your own mindset your own relationship to money and your trauma that yes. has to relate to money and how you process that and um, i think it's it is definitely different for everybody so i like um i like your take on it so talk to me a little bit about what kind of pre enough looked like felt like for you particularly like in your business before it was at enough what did how did that feel for you oh it was gross i'm like even just like in the <laughs> hearing of that question i was like because honestly it feels like a different person and that's what is so interesting just because that kind of the change in the way i've thought about it um but the pre-enoughness for me was like hustle and not in that fun way that gary v makes it sound like but like gross like graspy and desperate and like a lot of commotion, I guess, without a lot of results. Like that's what hustle looked like for me in my business, where you're just, just that graspiness. And you know, we've all seen people that are just like, pay me money, oh my God, right? Like it's just, it, it felt gross. It was like those person people you don't want to date because they're super desperate. And, and I would try to do things all by myself. I think that's one of the biggest things I noticed about like the pre enough versus now is that before there was, you know, the, those feelings of unworthiness that the imposter, you know, if I don't do this myself and prove that I can do it, then I'm not good enough and I don't deserve it. Uh, yeah, like just all of shiny object syndrome, but like always looking outside of my business and my own mind for the answer. Like someone else had the secret. I needed to just find out what it was. And then my business would be fine. So yeah, just a lot of a lot of busyness without any results to show for it at all. So the fun part is, is I was literally doing the activities that would keep me in pre enough, even though what I thought I was doing was trying to get me out of that, which was super funny. So it wasn't that it was like chicken before the egg. Like I had to stop doing mm -hmm. all of the pre enough behaviors before I could actually settle into what my worth and value was in my business and start creating that result in the end, which was something that took me a really frighteningly long, like like seven years to figure out. Well, and I, I mean, I think there are real challenges in the pre enough stage. You know, if you don't actually have enough money to pay someone else, it is really difficult to uh, make a different choice than doing it yourself, sometimes because right. you don't see the resources or because you legitimately don't have access to get those resources uh, in place to run your business a different way. Exactly. Um, and and, and so some of it, you're right, is like totally chicken, chicken or egg. <laughs> right. Is I understand that this is what I should be doing in my business and there actually aren't the resources to make those choices. So it's just, how, how do I get the resources to be able to make that choice that I know that I'm supposed to make? <laughs> Completely. Like that, that's exactly, it was just like, you don't even know what you don't know at that point. And the other piece of like the alone part that is, is kind of money independent, that is 
pretty much what I see is kind of the key to breaking my whole business wide open to where it is now is that, you know, even though initially maybe I didn't have money to hire people is that I was also like self isolating from a network of people that like, because I like people like talking to people like, like should like get to know people. And that I wasn't doing either. So even in the absence mm-hmm. of having kind of that additional revenue to hire people and to assist me, I wasn't also getting out there and meeting people and like, doing so much of that, like, quote, unquote, networking, but just in a really genuine way of like, I just like to hang out and chat with people. I wasn't doing that either. And so that was a huge piece that was keeping me stuck, even, you know, outside of just not having enough revenue, because it is yeah, that like switching to actually like hiring people and having enough money to um, pay other people to do things is kind of game changing. But it's a weird, rocky road to get. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're you're stuck in this do I hire to grow? Do I grow to hire? Am I are my choices actually limiting me from growth and the choices that I'm making are keeping me in pre enough? Do I take a risk and maybe a financial risk to hire somebody who will allow me to get to that stage where I can hit my enough benchmark? Um, or do I keep cycling where I'm at? And I, I understand what I need to do. And it just needs to happen. Um, I think that that pre enough stage is so difficult in trying to evaluate how you're making choices and where you're spending your time and your resources. And um, I think it's interesting that you were you were actually isolating yourself from those conversations that could potentially have gotten you out of completely. Enough. Yes, like just all and also just like the busyness, what I've seen the people who have moved from the pre enough myself included to being more comfortable and more successful is like monetarily wise. So talk to me a little bit about the kinds of choices you were making or the specific challenges you were facing in your business during that pre enough phase that you think kept you there. Um, You know, were there were there choices that now in retrospect, you could have made earlier? from to to push you from pre enough into enough were there pivotal decisions that you made that kind of made that transition for you or do you think it was just a gradual evolution of like you needed to find the right positioning and the right process you know what i mean that's an excellent question um i think there's there's definitely some positioning product market fit uh settling just into my, I hate zone of genius, but it's like, there, there's definitely doing what I do now, which is kind of the, um, almost like a, almost like a CMO, external CMO, like doing marketing audits with analytics and things and like giving people that feedback, uh, plus the paid traffic, like the expertise that lives in those two services for my agency, like that was hard earned. <laughs> like there was like just <laughs> a lot, a lot of reps, right. That went into those two pieces that earlier like i just don't know that i would have had the same success because the experience would have been there wouldn't have been there so i think there's definitely that um but the other piece like just as far as from the process side of things and from like kind of biz dev and stuff like that the it was that isolation from other people like the really the three things that i did that really made a difference like completely transformed uh my agency was i started to meet other humans like and not with the skeezy like what can i get from you but literally like you're another human let's just sit and talk about our businesses i geek out on that stuff like honestly like what would i rather talk about all day (laughs) is then business (laughs) growth marketing like that is just 
everything that I would want to talk about. And I just really like love what humans and women particularly are doing in the online space and just all of that stuff. So it was just meet people and have conversations without any sort of expectation of what those would turn into or et cetera. Right. And so doing that, like letting them know what I did, right? And not, once again, just in the, the natural form of the conversation, which always comes up when you're talking with other business owners, right? Everyone's like, <laughs> oh, let's talk about what we do. And then when the time was right, usually they came to me asking for help. And that was it. So I like met people, <laughs> I told them what I did, and I offered to help them if it was appropriate. That's literally what changed from me just being like in a hole trying to make stuff work to just this entirely different business it seems some days that has a team that is just has some of the most amazing people that i have an honor to work with and it's just like night and day but it was literally those small things whereas before i figured that part out and it wasn't nearly as obvious to me as it is when i say it that way because <laughs> i'm like there it's was... never as obvious when you're in it as it is no. after the fact where you're like oh yeah that was a really stupid thing that i was doing that now i can like, totally see that that was just, that was the issue <laughs> I could have done those three things. Like, that's not hard, right? Like, that's still all I do today as far as marketing goes. But it's but hard to the, see that when you're in it. <laughs> it's impossible. So I was trying to do, like, large-scale marketing. I, you know, like, you know, write a blog and have a newsletter and fiddle with my website endlessly. And, like, all the junk that literally doesn't matter. It was the distraction work from actually, like, making the business work. And, and that was it. Like, that was just the stuff that I busied myself with where I could have just like, honestly, I wouldn't even need a website, right? Like at this point, it I could have had the most basic of things. I don't need to do large scale marketing because that is not how my business model works, right? I could maybe two to three new clients a year at this point, right? Where we're at, that that's all we need. There's no amount of like newsletter broadcasts and like huge social media pushes that I need to do. I just need to chat with some people and then those, those clients will find me. And just had I known, like, but yeah, I, I learned that the hard way. And that was the biggest difference between then and now. Well, and I think that's, that's kind of exemplifies the like real power of working with somebody high level very early on, like somebody who specifically does strategy. Um, early on, when you're thinking about like, who should I hire and how should I scale and how do I get from pre enough to enough? Sometimes it's as it's as simple as somebody being like, hey, you don't have to do that. <laughs> like really as somebody just <laughs> like sat down and been like, so you don't that's not a thing that you need to concentrate on. Like, just ignore that. Um, oh, which for me was amazing. having a friend really early on that was like, hey, I don't think social media is like a, a thing that you need to worry about right now. Uh, and so I just ignored it for the first three years. <laughs> Because it really, your friend. <laughs> like, it really didn't matter because like you, I was working with, you know, high level clients. It was very much a, people just needed to know that I existed and that I did this thing that was unique and going out and meeting people worked and that's all I needed to do. I didn't need to have an email newsletter or have a, you know, have a social media strategy because that's not where i was going to get my clients and exactly and you're very like, much that was like so me. powerful yeah. <laughs> really early on to just have somebody yes. be like yeah you know don't worry about it like just ignore yeah, it like, for now <laughs> this is not important for you well i'm sure like correct me if i'm wrong but like especially with kind of the amount of access that you need in a business you probably get your best customers from the referrals because the people that would hire you really want you vetted like yeah absolutely right yeah yeah 
Um, and it, like that's the reason I decided to do a podcast. Like a podcast works really well for people to get uh, understand who I am, how I think, build the trust. I'm literally speaking into their ears every week. Um, <laughs> right. Like there was a conscious choice behind it. Besides the fact that it's just really creatively interesting for me, there was there was a reason behind it. Um, but I think having somebody in that pre enough stage say that part doesn't matter for your business because we get sold this like you have to be doing all of the things and you need all of the blog content and all of the newsletter and all of the social media and it can be really really distracting away from the strategy of how do you actually get your clients well focus on that thing Ignore right that's everything all else. you literally need to do so like 2017 and 2018 all i did was just go and find ways as an introvert to meet people in a way that felt safe and comfortable and I could show up as like my best person uh, and not like thousand person conference or not even thousand person conferences. That's even too big. But like conferences oh, that, are like not Like you just thing. saying that, I'm like, ugh, that just made me nervous. I know, right? <laughs> like, so I, I was like, that's awful. where do I show up best? Where are the people that I find interesting hanging out, right? That, you know, potentially one day might be a good client. Like I have people that I've met in 2017 that are now ready to work together. And it's not because in 2017, I was sitting there, you know, like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons going, hmm, like you're a good person. No, I was like, this is a cool person. Let's just hang out and chat. And then it all just works out as it's supposed to, you know? And yeah, like I, I wish somebody would have just been like, hey, you know, <laughs> If you only need X amount of clients a year, why on earth are you? Because also I get better clients that way. And then when I know them ahead of time, I know whether I want to work with them long term because we're mm -hmm. all up in each other's business. And if I don't like if we don't jive personally, like that's terrible for everybody. Yes. It's that time of year. Time to set some new goals or consider your New Year's resolution. And if you're like a lot of business owners, I know you might be thinking that this is the year you're gonna get your shit together when it comes to your money. You're gonna start reviewing that P&L statement you get every month. You're gonna be more intentional about how you spend and closely tracking the ROI you're getting. You're gonna get clear on exactly how you're making money and how you can make more of it without working yourself into the ground. Now, if you're both nodding your head and feeling the anxiety rise in your chest as I describe these financial goals, I see you. We all have the best of intentions about how we're going to manage our business finances, but few people actually follow through on learning how to manage their business's money or execute the financial plans they create. You want to feel like you're on top of your money stuff, but it's tough to climb over all the questions and reports and bank accounts and spreadsheets. That's where I come in. I help you think like a CFO. Working together, you'll learn the skills you need to confidently make database decisions about how to spend your money and how to structure your business so you make more. You'll build a more resilient business that's efficient and easy to run. And you'll create meaningful financial processes so you're never caught with your pants down again. Think Like a CFO is a six-month accelerator, online workshop, and coaching program that will teach you to think about your business like a CFO would. We'll cover six core topics, including risk and resilience, investing in your business, scaling sustainably, and your relationship with money. You'll also get dedicated implementation time and live support so you don't get stuck on the details or the execution. And you'll get a clear path to true small business financial literacy so you can connect your money 
to every other aspect of your work, from daily operations to long vacations. Think Like a CFO is enrolling right now, and when you register before December 31st, you'll also get my course, Not Rocket Finance, which is the perfect primer for Think Like a CFO. To find out more about Think Like a CFO and finally get your business shit together, go to scalespark.co slash CFO. All right, so let's kind of start shifting from pre-enough to that kind of enough benchmark. So when you hit your enough benchmark, uh, what did it feel like? Did you, well, first, did you notice? (laughs) Um, Or did you, you know what I mean? Like, was there something where you're like, this is the amount of money that I need to be making every month and that's my enough benchmark and you are gradually working towards that? Or was it, you know, you looked back and you're like, oh, I'm, I all of a sudden, like, I feel like I have enough. Cool. (laughs) You you know what I mean? (laughs) Just, yeah. Like, I think sometimes it just happens. And sometimes it's a goal that people are working towards that they can then celebrate. But sometimes it just happens and you don't notice it. Well, I guess like mine was interesting, like, cause I'm, I'm very much a rule follower and I'm, I'm intensely risk averse, which are not normally two things that when you hear like entrepreneur, <laughs> they don't really, <laughs> those don't come in the list of, of qualities. And, and like I, because of my husband's job, I left my career in social work and he at that point, cause we notoriously obviously pay social workers so much money, right? He, with his new job, (laughs) made more than both of us combined uh, at that point. So that was like 11 or 12 years ago now. And and so I never, like, I never had to work to pay the bills with Mm. my business. And so it was a very unique situation that also probably created a very long runway for me because there was no urgency there. It was always like, we're fine. Whatever Rita's business make is fun money, right? And it was just that so there was never a point where I had to worry about that. So it was a real, um, really privileged position to start the business from. And honestly, like I probably would have not ever started it had that not been the case. Like I'd probably still be doing my job. We often laugh about that. I'm like, I would be working, be in my social work self, and just doing that at this point if we hadn't life hadn't kind of intervened. And so kind of on that path where it was always just as long as I could pay to run it and pay myself a little bit. You know, I started out with a goal of like paying our car payment. I was like, that would be so amazing if we could just do that. <laughs> and for me, like the enoughness kind of slapped me in my face. So it wasn't even like just, oh, look at that. It was when I made more with the agency, like so the, the monthly revenue for the agency was more in one month than I used to make in an entire year. And it was the, oh, not pardon me, not even the revenue. It was like my personal out like what I brought out of the business and profit. Yes, what I kept <laughs> was more than I used to make in an entire year before tax, right? So then you just sat there and it, it was just, it was heavy and it was really, it wasn't, it was more like an existential crisis than it was a celebration because it was like, this is excessive, right? Like it just, mm. it was crazy. And now we're to the point that we make more, like there's more in a month than my husband makes in an entire year, which he thinks is amazing and delightful. And I still grapple with that because it's like it's just so much right so we have like surpassed enoughness and and it's to the point of like now how do you manage all of this responsibly mm-hmm. and redistribute it and make sure everything is very equitable and like kind of put the values into the business with the money uh differently but yeah it was more of a it was more of an existential crisis it really was <laughs> i think that's interesting because i i think there are really 
very different mindsets and choices that you make between like pre enough that kind of middle enough like okay i'm making enough and then that there's like a third stage that at least in my head i kind of just call stupid money like <laughs> where you're just at the point where you're like there's just so much like what do i what do i do with it and then it becomes this choice of like how do i be how, how do i responsibly use this all of these new resources that i have that you know when you get to the stupid money point like you can some of that is life-changing amount of money that you can really have major impact on exactly other people's lives we think with about, that power like <laughs> i mean money at least in a capitalist society like money equates to power and choices and um there's a real responsibility i think that comes with especially the stupid money um yeah like i feel like we're like borderline because i mean i i guess because i'm always comparing like because i have clients that were i mean it's like private jets, like, what do i do with right? all of this like yeah this like just, it's just I was... so much more than i could ever have imagined <laughs> yes. having to make choices about right like and it's funny to even talk to um clients about it and kind of one of the joys of like my business is like we all can just kind of sit and chat about this kind of stuff but it's like what do you do when you get to the, to a stage in life where like your biggest issues are your private jet problems and i was like and these are often <laughs> we have like a hashtag and a few of my clients um slacks where we're like yeah total private jet problems but it was like the because um, like the vast majority of the people that I work with did not they some of them came from privilege some of them came from a certain degree of financial security anyway uh, in growing up but a lot of them were just normal middle class lower middle class people you know and they this level of stupid money is very very uncommon for them in their family tree and so they don't have a lot of reference points for what you do with it mm -hmm. right. And that's what that's what we really struggled with too because like i did not have a lot of examples i had no examples in my kind of immediate family group where it's like what what do you do with this right like this is just you know it is a lot so we're i feel like we're at like the lower cusp of stupid money where it's i haven't really thought about a bill in a long time and you just kind of like do what you want to do and it's not really you don't really have to think about the money you're not making choices you're just yeah that sounds good cool like yeah, there's exactly. not it's just there like, doesn't need to be a as much of a weighing of is is this the right right way to use my resources is this the best way that i could be the most efficient with using my resources because efficiency becomes less of an issue Right. It's there's the, those are the kind of the conversation where like a team member will come and, and be like, you know what, I think this tool would really streamline this process. And it's like, oh, sure. Like that totally makes good sense. You know, this is redundant. We can then reallocate some time for you to do like some bigger thinking and remove some of this technical work. And so that's kind of a non-issue now. It's like, well, of course, let's just get that. That's a no brainer where before it'd be like, okay, like, or how, how is this going to work? How do we swing this? And it's just, it's we're evaluating things differently like how is this bringing a better value to our client like how can we bring more value um obviously within scope because there's a lot of value <laughs> you could bring that would be outside of that but how do we just really do the very very best and always try to push the edge of how well we're doing and what we're providing the client and that's the discussion rather than 
you know, some of those really nitty gritty, like, no, we can't have that tool because, you know, that's like outside of the budget right now, or we can't hire that person. It's just, it's more like, what is the best way that we can do this? Also with an eye for building, you know, for the next three years, right? Because I'm always planning in my brain anyway, I'm always thinking three years out because I'm okay letting revenue go today if I'm building toward, right, that kind of that vision that's three years out, which I've found to be a lot more of a successful way for me to think about things than to do annual goals, because then I often get too short-sighted with things. And that's, I think, a bigger change that's also happened with the enoughness, because I don't need to chase, you know, I was like change on the floor. (laughs) It's like, I don't need to worry about that. If by worrying about kind of the money that's directly in front of me, I'm sacrificing either kind of a bigger strategy pivot or some more time freedom for myself, which I'm very protective of now, uh, that all of that stuff is like when I'm looking through, you know, three years out, I usually plan a lot better. And then I also make better decisions in the moment too. Yeah. And I think that's one of those, um, one of those choices that becomes different pre enough versus post enough you know when you're pre enough it feels like you don't have the luxury to think long term think strategically because you literally aren't sitting on the money to get you there Um, and some of it is you have to take you're taking work that maybe isn't ideal because you need the cash flow to get you that extra couple of months while you're building and there's this like you have to be building and executing day-to-day stuff at the same time in pre pre enough that i think part of post enough is being able to think much more strategically i think it's kind of the same as um like when we're thinking about cash reserves um and the way like the way i'm talking i talk about cash reserves is that's literally you're like thinking money that's your reaction time you know you want six to twelve months (laughs) there so that if everything comes crashing to a halt you're not in that desperate scarcity of what the hell do i do you have time to sit and think and process and go okay great now i can make choices now i can think strategically because you actually have a cushion to get you to literally get you there right that's like and it always seemed like when i would talk to um entrepreneur friends and i before i hired anyone i actually say because this is risk averse let me tell you um (laughs) that i saved six months worth of that person's paycheck before i hired them so i could prove to myself that the money was there to do it and and so inadvertently what i did was i created a six month like created your cushion and i was and it was just because i didn't believe that i could do it and so it wasn't from like this really wonderful strategic standpoint it was just something my bookkeeper had suggested she's like you know what i can see that this is here you've got the track record for the cash flow and everything like you are totally fine and but my brain was arguing with her about it so it was just like you know this will be i will get evidence for this and and now you know and then when the pandemic hit and you know there was all the uncertainty there and um i had to let a client go this year because it wasn't a good fit and to have nothing in that decision other than this is not a good fit rather than like okay we have to keep them this money's important i was like no you know what it's like we have got so much cushion you know, between us and anything else that like, even if this person, you know, isn't replaced, you know, as far as that budget, like, like, we're totally fine. And it just opened up. And of course, like it opened up other opportunities, the team was happier, like the everything was was mm-hmm. benefited from doing that. But that I wasn't able to do that 
or I didn't think I was able to do that in pre enough because it felt like every single thing, every client, you know, you couldn't let them go because when would the next one come and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's really been a game changer to be able to like the best part of your brain versus like the reactive, like lizardy brain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just like death is coming and there's (laughs) nothing to eat and all those things. Like it separated those two things for me. So like that my higher level self that can have some logic and time and, and really deep thought about stuff can make better decisions for the business. And that's all been just the cash flow buffer, uh, which has been amazing. So maybe that's part of the enoughness too. Like once I had, once there was a big buffer, between me and the end of my business. (laughs) Um, That also felt really good. Yeah, and I think that the size of that buffer is gonna be different for everybody. Like what size of buffer makes you feel secure because that security level is really heavily dependent on your own relationship with money and your own experience with um, either insecurity or um, scarcity. So I I always think it's it's interesting interesting. to see like what amount of money made you feel secure, you know, how many months was security for you? Yeah. And it is, it's so interesting how different it is for everybody. Cause some people are like at the edge, right? Like they're just like, you know what I could deal with like a month. (laughs) It's like, I would be in hives all the time. Right? Like, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't handle them. Like that just, no, you saying that makes me nervous. Oh my God. Right. Like, it's just like, we have a line of credit that I have never used, but I have it. That's just there because you know, if all of the, if you, if you need it, it's there. there. It's, it's an extra cushion because, um, when you really need that cushion and you're trying to get it at a point where you need it, nobody's going to give it to you. Like, well, completely right things like, like getting things. lines of credit work so much better when you do them proactively when you're in a good spot versus oh crap i'm out of money I had and everybody's looking that. at your business you're like well no you so don't have any true. cash flow i'm not going to loan you money like that's the the right. horrible secret of debt and financing is that nobody gives it to you when you need it they only give it when to you when you don't need it, need it. <laughs> it's true i just needed it as the the reason I decided to get one for the business was so that I could kind of activate that part of my brain that thinks better, which only happens when I feel safe, mm-hmm. right? And that security. And just the combination of having that as the ultimate fail safe versus and then the amount of money that's just in the bank, it's kind of just the emergency fund outside of the regular operating expenses. For me, I'm like, you know what, we're good. Right. And ultimately, if like we needed to just like fold everything up and like head home, that we'd also be in a great place for our team to have a huge runway, like everything about because even I always like to explore all the the, all the options fully. And like, even if that does ultimately happen one day and I just decide that I am done. Right. It's just the we've got room and we can do it in a really respectful and wonderful way for, for the team and and for the clients and everything else, because there is such a big runway and all that feels good. So whether, you know, I do it forever or at some point and I'm 85 and I don't want to run Facebook ads, then I can totally He's make that like, choice. I'm, too. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's so many choices we can make in our business and none of them are improved by making it short term. Like the more runway, the more space, the more time that you can give yourself to react to crises and the more fail safes you have in place, like it ultimately just builds a stronger foundation, a more resilient business because you have these different ways that you can react to whatever's happening in your business. 
Completely. Like it was everything from just like the little things of we can get yearly subscriptions on every tool we use and save money because we have the cash flow, right? Like mm-hmm. to do that, like all the way up to those bigger, like how do we hire people? How do we kind of, you know, bring people on without feeling nervous? It really impacts everything. And yeah, and then it just becomes a snowball. Cause yeah, once you're getting into that little bit more stupid money where it's, uh, yeah, it just gets, it keeps getting better because it's easier and then you have more runway and less fear and all of that kind of stuff. So it's, yeah, just keeps getting easier. So let's talk a little bit about uh, revenue benchmarks. So revenue benchmarks and goals kind of feel like the, you know, the pinnacle when you're at pre enough, you know, most people at pre enough know what they're, en- at least they're, this is what I have to cover stuff. um you know you need to hit those goals because you're in this place of real actual scarcity but kind of post enough you have enough so how do you approach revenue benchmarks or goal setting now that you are in enough and it's not really a concern you know do you even pay attention to it anymore are your goals based on something else do you still pay attention to revenue goals like how how does that play out for you now so well, revenue goals um, kind of started to irritate me a couple of years ago, because what I realized was happening was that I'd hit one, right? Like, cause you hit that hundred thousand, five hundred million, and you just, you keep moving the goalposts to a higher number. And it was at that point, like where the agency, the, the revenue for the agency was more than I had ever imagined, right? Like I just didn't, I didn't have the context to dream this sort of thing. And I was like, why? And then the, the urge, that initial urge is like, okay, well, now we're going to whatever, 5 million, 10 million, whatever. And I was like, why? <laughs> like, like it was just, and then, but there was also, so the immediate reaction of like, this is what we should do because this is what, you know, capitalist society and everyone on the internet is telling you is what's supposed to, you are supposed to make more because I need like gold plated insoles in my shoes or some kind of like what ridiculousness, right? Um, that I need. And and so I don't, cause I actually live quite simply. We don't have a lot of like, as far as like personal needs, um, we're good. Right? So there was none of that. So then it was like, why are we potentially working harder, potentially doing things that I enjoy less, right? Um, why are all these decisions being made on revenue? Shouldn't they be made from a different place? Because why, like I'll always be moving these stupid goalposts down the field. And I was like, what is the whole point of this? So like I said, it was seriously like an existential crisis. Like what, why are we here? <laughs> what am I meant to do? And, and so I realized that revenue was not the thing that does not like, it does not get me up out of bed in the morning to be like, okay, let's go make X amount of dollars. That really does not sit and never really has, you know, like that's not outside of that. I can pay the bills. We're all happy and healthy. We have everything we need. That doesn't hold a lot for me. And, and then I realized that like, what are the things in my business that I love the most? Why do I enjoy what I do so much? And it is very much rooted to helping other women make ridiculous amounts of money. I think women spend money differently. They think about it differently. They just the, like the, the act of existing in the world as a woman who has created a business out of her own mind and kind of just commanding the amount of like wealth and privilege and all like, which is so different than what so many people see. And the act of just existing in the world as that person just speaks to men, women, everybody, right? It's just 
unbelievable. And so for me, helping women do that and be the first in their family tree that have financial security, growing these amazing businesses they're super proud of, that is what is super exciting for me and my team. And it is amazing to see the transformation that has happened to some, you know, as we've worked with them from pre enough to post enough to stupid money, right? Like, so we've been <laughs> with them that whole path and to see just to see that is so gratifying. Um, you know, having people pay cash for things that like would have never, just all that stuff, right? Like, and my clients will share pictures and, and different things with us. So it became like, you know what, this is the thing that is super fun for us. Uh, why don't we tie our revenue goal, like revenue goals to them instead? So what we have done for the past number of years is that we're working toward creating $500 million worth of trackable revenue for clients. So we're, we're at like just shy of 50 million. Um, I haven't seen the numbers for October yet. So we might have created 50 million for female led businesses. And so that is actually what we use now. Mm. And it also ties into kind of the values in the company that we're here to create value for a small group of clients in a really big way. Like how can we do better, think outside the box, expand our knowledge, kind of pursue mastery with what we do for them? Because when they grow, we grow and it's all tied together. So that just feels a lot more authentic for me and for the people that have come onto the team with that being our values. And yeah, so we're working toward a half billion dollars for female led businesses. It'll probably take us 10 years, um, but that's okay. Like I'm really good with that being the North star. And that also helps keep everything in perspective around the amount of clients we take, which clients are the best fit for us. And who do we think we can have the most impact with things like that. So that's oh, how I we do that. it now. Uh, yeah, I think that is a, a great place to start wrapping it up on. Is there anything you think we should talk about that we haven't touched on yet? I don't know. I think we, we managed all the things. I mean, <laughs> I got to talk about like shoe insoles and like growing up <laughs> on social assistance. I think we, <laughs> we I mean, and we snuck private jet problems in there, which is and my new did. favorite we, thing. <laughs> if, uh, if a few clients who listen to this, they'll have a good laugh because it's like, it is, it's just, and like a lot of them recognize just how ridiculous, I, like they know the stupid money or like this, this is insane. Yeah. Awesome. So where can our listeners find you if they want to connect with you or learn more about what you do? They want to learn about what it is that we do. RitaBerry.co is the website. That's B-A-R-R-Y dot C-O. Uh, that's the best place. And then if like just wanting to say hi and chat, then Instagram in the DMs is always a good place. I'm not not on social media. Um, it's kind of like a prolific spreading of message kind of way. But I do check the messages there. So if anyone just wants to say hi, that's the best place. And then learning about kind of the greater ecosystem and all of the offerings and things the website's the best place to go awesome well thank you so much for coming and talking to me about it this was so much fun my pleasure thanks for having me figuring out where enough is for you can be a very powerful tool in helping you evaluate the choices you make around your finances and the growth of your business do you feel compelled to grow your business because you genuinely want to grow a bigger business or because that's just what you think you're supposed to want Understanding what your enough benchmark is can help you bust through that hustle culture mindset and make choices based on your wants, desires, and values rather than on someone else's. 
when you can get really clear on your values and priorities as part of evaluating or improving your relationship to money, it can help illuminate what you should really be doing with your money and how to use it most effectively to accomplish your own goals, whether those goals are to hit 1 million in revenue or to take a month off of work each year. Next week, I'm talking to Brian Plain, who's a certified financial planner, all about rethinking financial success and failure. And this idea of enough is a huge part of his work with clients. So hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss it. Break the Ceiling is produced by Yellow House Media. Our executive producer is Sean McMullen. Our production coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode was edited by Marty Seafeld with production assistance by Kristen Rundvik.